Welcome or welcome back to the Bridge Churches podcast, where we are committed to building irresistible bridges between the unchurched and Jesus Christ. We are so glad that you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. If you're joining us for the first time today, a uh, special hello and welcome to you. This has just been a lot of fun uh, looking at this series, and we hope that our time together today has been and will continue to be encouraging and uplifting to you. For those of you at home uh, joining us, we're so thankful you're with us wherever you are right now and glad that you're joining us. And you know, the older I get, I've said this before, but I'm becoming more aware of it. The older and older I get, the more and more time seems to just fly by. Have you ever noticed that? Do you ever find yourself saying, like, where did the time go? I find myself saying that more and more. Like, I remember back in September, October, when I knew this series was coming in January and February, and I knew what I was going to be talking about. I knew then what I was going to be talking about now, but for now to be in week five of this series already, to be in February already, how many of you ready for 2023 to be over already? Yeah. Uh, so it's just kind of one of those things. I'm like, man, where, where did the time go? Like week five, it's hard to believe it. And uh, if you are joining us for the first time or if this series is brand new to you, what we've been doing in this series, as Chris mentioned, we're basically looking at the writings of both Dr. Seuss and Solomon, and we're discovering together how their writings provide all of us with words of wisdom to live by. And so far, we've looked at the famous, oh, the places you'll go. That was a lot of fun. We've looked at the more unknown and obscure Yertle the Turtle and what pet should I get. Last week, we looked at Dr. Seuss's first book that he ever wrote and to think I saw it on Mulberry Street. And today we're looking at one of my personal favorites, Sidwick, the Big Hearted Moose. I love this story. And like all the other books that we've opened up in this series, there's a lot of different directions we could take this. Like there's a lot of different angles um, to tackle this one. But for today, what we're gonna do is we're gonna focus in on something that Dr. Seuss reveals that isn't obvious on the outset, but it's a reality that leads to tragedy and we're all very capable of experiencing it. So that's what we're gonna talk about today. But before we get to that, before we get there, I want to actually go quickly back to the beginning of the series, back to part one. Uh, For those of you that were around for that, if maybe you watched it or listened to it later, this will be a little bit of review for you. But for those of you that are joining us for the first time, this will put the content of today in better context for you. Back in week one, we looked at, oh, the places you'll go. And in light of all the places that each one of us could go in life, we talked about that. The question, in light of all the places we could go in life, the question that each of us, regardless of age, regardless of your beliefs, the question that each of us needs to ask and answer is, how do I know? Not the places I could go, but how do I know if I'm actually going to get to the places that I want to go? And it's supposed to be there on my screen, but it's not there. And uh, so how do I know if I'm actually going to be able to read the slide that I want to see? That's going to be a problem. So I don't know, Matt or whoever up there, if you're able to help me with that. But that's the question that every single one of us needs to ask and answer. How do I know if I'm going to get to the places that I want to go? And to answer that question, or at least one of the ways to answer that question, is to actually look at the wisdom, the writings of Solomon, who in his God-given wisdom said, look, there are a lot of places that you can go in life, but one of the ways that you can know for certainty, hey, buddy, how you doing? Um, Everybody say hi to Chris. Give it up for Chris. Um, Man. Yeah, he's got the toughest job here at the church. Um, And he does it so well. Well, Everybody give him a round of applause. Let's just... Let's just make this moment more awkward as we can. You know, let's just, just really just lean into it wholeheartedly. But yeah, how do I know if I'm going to get to the place I want to go? The way to answer that, or at least one of the ways, is to look at Solomon. And Solomon said this in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 3. It reads kind of like a fortune cookie, but it's profound. Here's what he said. He said, the prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple, they keep going 
and suffer for it. So here's Solomon in his God-given wisdom. He says, the prudent or the wise person, they see danger and they take refuge. They, they do something. They take appropriate action. The simple, on the other hand, they just keep going. Head down, they just keep going, thinking somehow it's all gonna work out in the end. And in the end, Solomon says, they suffer for it. And it's because of this possibility that each one of us could experience in our lives, it's because of that that I encourage you and challenge you to begin praying a prayer in your life. And the words don't really matter. You can pray it however you want, but it's something, the sentiment is something like this. Heavenly Father, help me to see trouble coming long before it gets here. Like, Heavenly Father, before I hit the wall, before I drive over a cliff, help me to see trouble coming long before it gets here. Give me the wisdom to know what to do. And then, God, give me the courage give me the strength to actually do it. This is a prayer that I pray in my life. It's a prayer I hope that you will pray in your life. And as you do, my prayer for you throughout this series, as I said, my prayer for you is that you would let Solomon's God-given wisdom do its work in you. That, that's my prayer for you, because if you do, I believe the Lord will use this wisdom to both protect you and prosper you. That's what wisdom, in its truest sense, that's what wisdom will do for you. It will protect you in such a way that you will prosper in life. And don't mistake prosperity for financial blessing. That's not necessarily the case. But prosperity meaning that you will win in life. And wisdom will protect you in such a way that you can win in life. And so with that as kind of the foundation for this whole series, today I want to zoom in on Thidwick the Big-Hearted Moose. And what I want to talk about is something that Dr. Seuss said kind of quickly. We kind of read right over it probably as Jeremy narrated that story, but it's this. Today, I want to focus in on the fallacy of the easy seat. The fallacy of the easy seat. And see, here's the thing. The temptation in life, regardless of what you believe, regardless of your age, the temptation in life is to be so fixated on what you want, to so desire what you want that you actually become blind to the truth. To get to the point in your life where you see things as you want to see them. You see what you want to see, not what's really going on, not what's really there. And that can happen to any of us, if not all of us. And to help try to understand this, I brought a little bit of uh, an illustration or an example. I have with me a coin. Can any, everybody see that? Everybody can see that at home? I got, I got a coin with me. Now, this is a real coin. This isn't one of those like dollar store ones that's got chocolate in the middle. Uh, it wouldn't have lasted two services. So this is a real coin. And, and I wonder, how many sides does this coin have? Two, it's not a trick question. Okay, 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 yes. There's two sides to this coin. There are, there, every coin, there are two sides to every real coin. There is not a one-sided coin. Every coin has two sides, and a wise person understands. We all know that this is true, but in life, a wise person understands that there are two sides to everything, that someone who is wise understands that there's two sides to everything, that there is a blessing, that there is the blessing side of things in life, but a wise person understands that there's not just the blessing side of life, there is the other side of that coin, and that is the burden. A wise person understands that, that you can't have a picnic without ants, right? That, that you can't have uh, credit card purchases without credit card payments, a wise person understands that. A wise person understands that you can't have, um, you know, a long-lasting marriage or a love, long-lasting romance um, without what? Selflessly serving on the other side. That's why date night is so important. If you haven't registered for date night, you really want to do that. That's one of the things you learn. That you can't just say, "Oh, I'm just going to have a great life." Doesn't work like that. No, no, no. You can't have a lasting romance without the other side of that coin. Selflessly serving. Wise people understand that. 
Wise people understand that you can't have the, the joy of having a child without the other side of the coin. Sleepless nights and poopy diapers. That's just how it works. That's the other side of the coin. You can't have the blessing of a baby without the other side. Poopy diapers and sleepless nights. It's just the way things work. It's just the way life works. And wise people understand that. Wise people understand that you can't have a beautiful garden without battling weeds. Just can't do it. Wise people understand that you can't have life in God without dying to yourself. Wise people understand that. Wise people understand that there is no freedom without someone assuming responsibility. It's just not possible. Wise people understand that that's how real life works, that there are always two sides. And what makes someone simple, what makes someone, is, what makes someone foolish is when they only see and convince themselves that there is only one side of the coin. That's how they see life. That's what I want out of life. That's what I see in life. So that's what is. And that's what you see in this story that Dr. Seuss wrote, Fidwick, The Big-Hearted Moose. That's what you see when you meet the Bengal bug. Now, Jeremy did a great job of, of narrating or summarizing that story, but I want to take you back to the very beginning. I want you to see what Dr. Seuss says. He says, when it happened that Fidwick, the last moose in line, saw the Bengal bug sitting, the bug called out to him. Remember this? The bug called out, hey, it's such a long road and it's such a hot day. Would you mind if I rode on your horns far away? And Fidwick, this big hearted moose, out of the kindness of his heart, he gave the Bengal bug an easy seat. And see, in life, what happens is we want to take the easy seat and we believe that easy seat leads to an easy street. That somehow just kind of life will go on and I'll kind of just live my life just kind of loosey-goosey and everything's going to work out in the end somehow. I don't know how, but it's going to work out in the end. And that's what the bingo bug believed. And so he just hitches a ride. He takes the easy seat thinking that somehow or some way it's going to end in, at easy street. And, and along the way, he invites other people to take this similar ride, and he just kind of believes that everything is going to work out somehow in the end. And if you follow that moment, if you follow that decision that this bingo bug makes and the decision that the other riders make, if you follow that all the way to the end of the story, it ends, as Dr. Sue says, as you knew it would end. It says, Thidwick's old horns are where you knew they would be. And this is so important. Dr. Seuss acknowledges to his early readers and to the adults, to the parents that would read this to their kids, he acknowledges there's something in you and there's something in me that kind of knows from the outset where this story is gonna end or how this story is gonna end, that it was kind of obvious that this is where it was going. And he kind of lets you know, he says that his guests, all of them, they're all still on those horns stuffed as they should be. And it, it's kind of like, you, you read that and you think, wow, that's a little bit uh, graphic for children. Like you got all these animals and they're just all kind of stuffed on someone's mantle. But there was this kind of this thing that Dr. Seuss acknowledges. You kind of know where this is going. That, that for you know, the bingo bug and all the other riders, this is what happened to them when they were looking for an easy seat to lead them to easy street. That things are just gonna kind of work out in the end. And see, all of us have found ourselves in that kind of a similar place in life at so many different times and so many different areas and seasons of our lives. It's happened to, if not all of us, most of us, that we kind of get to that place where the bingo bug and his friends are, where they kind of get to the place at the end where their lives end up in tragedy. And my guess is regardless of your age, regardless of what you do or don't believe, we've all gotten to that place in life where we think like the bingo bug and his friends that we can just kind of hitch a ride in the horns of a moose and not be subjected to the reality of a moose in the wild. They're hunted, that we don't put two and two together. We just kind of think easy seat is just gonna take me where I somehow wanna end up, that everything is gonna be okay in the end. 
And see, that's what makes someone foolish. That's how a fool, that's how a simple person, that's how a naive person sees life, that they just see in life what they want to see. They don't see that there are two sides to everything. They don't see that there is a burden that comes with a blessing. They don't see that there is a price to be paid for the reward. This idea that I can just kind of do what I want and somehow magically everything's going to somehow work out in the end, that somehow I can have a picnic and not have ants. This idea that I can have a lasting romance and not selflessly serve my other half, that that somehow I can have the joy of having a child but not deal with poopy diapers and sleepless nights. This idea that I can have credit card purchases without credit card payments doesn't work that way. Life doesn't work that way. But that's how simple people, that's how foolish people see life. They believe that I can have this life in God and I can call myself a Christian and not die to myself. This idea that there can be freedom for me or for our country or for our world with nobody having to bear any responsibility. See, that's how fools see life and that's what makes them a fool. That's what makes them simple. They see in life what they want to see and they don't see that there's another side to that coin. And we've all been there in so many different ways of our lives. And see, the thing that's driving me in this series, the reason we're spending six weeks in this series talking about words of wisdom to live by is because for me, I continue to see, I spend so much of my week, so much of my life spending time with people where there is this huge disconnect between where people want to end up tomorrow and the decisions that they're making today that I spend so much of my life walking with and working with people whose lives have crashed and burned, whose marriages are upside down, who people who are drowning in a sea of debt. And my guess is you have too, right? My guess is you've had friends or you have friends and you sit down with them and they tell you their story and you've heard these kind of stories before. That you sit down with someone you know, someone you care about and they're telling you their story and they're so brokenhearted about where they are, what's happened or not happened in their life and you listen to their story and they're so sincere and they're so brokenhearted, right? And as they're telling you their story, you're thinking in that moment with them the very same things I've thought when I've been in moments with other people. You're thinking, what did you expect? This is what you're thinking. What did you expect, right? I mean, there's this huge gap between you know, their, their hopes and their dreams and the decisions that they've made and are making. And that's what you see in this story, Tidwick, the big hearted moose and, and the bingo bug. There was this huge gap. The, this bug and all of his friends, they ended up stuffed on a mantle because they made a critical mistake, didn't they? They believed that there was only one side to the coin, that there was an easy seat that led them or would lead them to easy street that they could just do what they wanted and somehow it was just gonna all work out and be okay in the end. This idea that they could ride on and live in the horns of a moose and not be subjected to the realities of being a moose. Like it just doesn't work that way. Somehow this bug and his friends, they couldn't see the consequences of the decisions that they were making. They couldn't see that their decisions were leading to their own demise. And again, regardless of age, regardless of belief, this happens all the time and it happens to so many of us. We've all been there. We're easy seat. We think leads to easy street and it doesn't, it just doesn't take us where we want to go. So in light of that, I kind of want to take some time and I want to look and I want to move from Seuss to Solomon because Solomon in his God-given wisdom, he kind of tells us a story that's almost the same as the story Dr. Seuss told. 
If you're joining us for the first time, you, you wouldn't know this, but, but uh, Solomon is, is King David's son. King David was the king of Israel, David and Goliath, David and Bathsheba, that same David was Solomon's father. And when he died, Solomon became king of the nation of Israel. And when that happened, God extended an offer or an opportunity to him that every single one of us will have a shot at. He basically said, ask me for anything. I'm not gonna give you three wishes. I'm gonna give you one. Ask for one thing and you will have it. Now Solomon was around 17 or 18 years old when he became the king. And so he didn't ask for long life. He didn't ask for lots of money. He didn't ask for the death of his enemies. He asked for wisdom. And so I want you to see, because this is important to understand this wisdom, this was God's response to Solomon after he made the request. He said, I'm gonna give you a wise, this is God speaking. I'm gonna give you, Solomon, a wise and discerning heart. That wisdom begins in your heart, not in your head. I'm gonna give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will have never been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Solomon had the wisdom of God. Solomon's writings, the book of Proverbs is essentially a collection of wisdom, but the wisdom isn't Solomon's. It's God's wisdom that comes to us through Solomon. It's the wisdom of God. And in this God-given wisdom, Solomon tells an interesting story. We don't know if it's a true story. We don't know if it's a parable type story like the ones that Jesus told to demonstrate or illustrate a point. We don't know if it's something that happened in the past, right? We don't know if it's fiction or nonfiction. But what we do know is that Solomon is standing at a window. Solomon is standing at a window and he's looking down on this street. And as he looks down, he sees a young man walk along this street. And in that moment, Solomon realizes that he knows the outcome of this young man's journey but this young man doesn't. And we've all found ourselves in moments like this in different capacities in life. Maybe you've been at an intersection, right? You've been there, you've been at an intersection, you see two cars, but they don't see each other and they're headed towards each other. And it's like, as if in that moment, it's like you can tell the future. It's like, you can kind of predict what's about to happen. You're like, here it comes. And then boom. And you're like, I saw it coming. It's like, I should go to the casino. I, I'm, it's like, I, I, I can tell the future. I can predict things. I, I, I'm a genius. I'm like God for a moment. For some of us as parents, you know this, you've watched your child make a decision or you've got a toddler and they're kind of moving like a bobblehead in a certain direction. And you're like, I, I, there she goes, there he goes. And all of a sudden crash, right? We've all had those moments, right? Yes, we've all had those moments where we get a snapshot into someone's destiny or into someone's life and we can kind of see what their outcome is gonna be. It may be in a moment, it may be in an extended period of time, but we've all had those moments where we've had a glimpse or we've had a hunch into someone's you know, destiny or where they were gonna end up in life and that's what's happening here. And Solomon, he looks down at this, at this situation, he looks down at this young man and he begins to narrate the story. And so what we're gonna do with the remainder of our time together today is I'm just gonna kind of read this story, kind of like Jeremy read Fidwick, and I'm gonna try to unpack it and hopefully help make it sense, help it make sense as we go through. So we're gonna start. It says, at the window, this is Solomon speaking, at the window of my house, I look down through the lattice. Again, he's kind of standing at the edge of his window and he's looking down and here's what he sees. He kind of, he's gonna kind of tell us. He says, I saw among the simple, and this is important, as he narrates and navigates this guy's journey, he's gonna illustrate to us the difference between someone who is prudent or wise and someone who is simple or naive. He says, I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men, a youth who lacked judgment. Now this is really important. Um, Judgment requires time and experience. Judgment requires time and experience. And if you're young, this isn't a knock on you. This isn't a slight on you, but young people lack judgment. And it's not because you're not smart, it's because you lack time and you lack experience. 
Every single one of us in this room were young. And when we were young, we all lacked time and experience. So we've all lacked judgment in life. And this is why if you're a teenager, the reason that your parents come down on you sometimes is because they have perspective that you don't have. They think that you lack judgment. And I know what you think. You're looking at them and say, I may lack judgment, but look at what you're wearing, right? You, you, you've kind of said that, right? It's like, don't tell me you have judgment. Look at those pants. Like I've said things like that. I was growing up. I said things like that to my mom all the time, right? But here's the thing. My mom and your parents, listen, they have perspective that we didn't have because they have and had time and experience and time and experience oftentimes results in judgment. And for those of you that are my age or even a little older, you know this more than anybody because you can remember a time when you were young. Remember those, weren't those good days? And you were young and your parents then were the age you are now. Do you remember this? And remember back when your mom or your dad, they would look at you and remember what they'd say? Someday you'll understand. Remember that? Wasn't that fun? Right? Someday you'll understand. And if you're anything like me, what did you say back? No, I won't. I'll never be like you. I'm never going to see this like you, right? Never. And what happened? You got to the age that your mom or your dad was then. And now what do you do? You look at your children and what do you say? Someday you'll understand. You say to them the very same things you said you would never say because you didn't have time and you didn't have experience back then, but now you do. And as a result, you have perspective now that you didn't have then. That's why you need to listen to your mama. Okay, if you take nothing else from church, say, listen to mama. Okay, so Solomon is standing at this window. He's looking down and he sees this young man walking along and he continues to narrate and navigate this story for us. He says he was going down the, down the street near her corner. We don't know who she is. We don't know her name, but we know he's walking down there. He was walking along, it says, in the direction of her house. Get this, at twilight, as the day was fading, as the dark of night, set in. I don't know if he talked like that, but it just sounds like it should be like a Harlequin romance kind of story, the way you're kind of reading this unfold and you're waiting for Jacob or Edward to show up. Like, it's just this really like beautiful kind of thing that's unpacking, right? And so he's basically, and listen, you don't need to be a biblical scholar to know where this is going, do you? There's something in you, kind of like Sue said in Fidwick's story, there's something in you that already knows where this is going. Somehow there's something in you that knows where this is gonna end up. Here's this guy, he's a young guy, he's walking along down the road, the sun is going down, he's heading to this woman's house, and as we're about to discover, he knows all about who this woman is. The sun's going down, he's walking down the street, there's a theme song, there's you know, this theme song playing in his mind, it's like born to be wild, or I got a feeling, depending on what generation you're from. And he's walking down, and he's telling himself, this is gonna be the greatest night of my life. This is gonna be a night to remember. This is gonna be awesome. Meanwhile, Solomon, the older, wiser man, is up looking down on this same situation, and there's a soundtrack playing in his mind as well, except it's the Jaws theme right? Like he's, there's, there's this huge discrepancy, two different perspective, perspectives to this same situation. They're seeing it completely different. The young, the young guy's walking down the street thinking this is going to be a night to remember. And Solomon is looking down at this kid's situation saying, no, this is a nightmare. And the story continues. Solomon says, then out came a woman to meet him. She came out to meet him dressed like a prostitute, though she's not a prostitute, with crafty intent. 
So she comes out and he, he goes on, he says, she is loud and she is defiant. Her feet never stay at home. Now in the street, now in the squares, at every corner, she lurks. And then she took hold of him. This is wild. She took hold of him. She kissed him. And with brazen face, she said, and this means absolutely nothing to us, today I have fulfilled my vows and I have fellowship offerings at home. What a potty mouth, right? Like she's just basically like, whoa. Like, I don't even know what he's supposed to. So basically what she's saying She's saying this. She's saying, I'm not a prostitute. I look like one, but I'm not one. I have lots of money. This isn't about your money. I'm not here to get your money. She says, I have fulfilled my vows. Again, this means absolutely nothing to us. But basically what she's saying is she's saying, I've been to the temple. I've been to the temple and I've gotten squared away with God. I took my big old bucket of sin and I dumped it out at the altar. I sacrificed an animal and now I have an empty bucket and I'm ready to fill it back up with sin. And I want to do that with you. And he's like, ooh, never have I ever, right? Like, he's just kind of like, wow, this is unbelievable. And then she says something to him that he was certainly not expecting. She says, so I came out to meet, not just anyone, I came out to meet you. I have looked for you and I have found you. And he's like, me, you came out here looking. Like, he's like, all of a sudden he's like, I'm the man. This is unbelievable. This is unreal. I I am the man of her dreams. This is crazy. I, I can't believe this. This is the stuff stories are made up. This is the stuff songs are written about. Like, I can't wait to tell my friends. This is unbelievable. I came down here hoping just to see her, but she's come out here looking for me and the soundtrack goes up to like eight or nine. And then she continues to talk dirty to him. Here's what she says. I have covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. And he's like, oh, wow. I have perfume my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. And he's just like, I don't know, his jaws. Like, I don't know how, I don't know what he's doing. But then she says, come, let's, let's drink of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. And he just cranks the soundtrack up to 10. And he's like, I believe in miracles. Like, he's just kind of like, he's like dancing. Like, this, this is unreal. I can't believe this is not what I expected. I came down here just hoping to get a glimpse of her. And she's like, man, she, this is crazy. I'm like, I'm like a celebrity. I'm like a rock star taking the stage. I'm like a famous person who, who walks into a club and all eyes like this is, this is really happening. I can't believe it. And she continues to talk to him. She says, my husband is not at home. And he's like, I assume that like, like, I, yeah, like, thanks for taking the one question away that I was kind of wondering about. Like my husband is not at home. He's gone on a long journey. In other words, you don't have to rush out in the morning. We have all the time we want. We can have some coffee, have a cigarette, do a little dance. Like we, we can, we've got all the time. You don't have to rush out. This is better. This is better than you expected. She says, he, he, he took his purse, and that always kind of threw me off a little bit. I, I, don't, I don't know what to do with that. Maybe it's his man bag. I don't know. But he, he took his purse filled with money and will not be home till full moon. Again, she's basically saying, he's going to be gone a long time. We are not in a rush. You can stay. You don't have to leave. And with these persuasive, persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. And then all at once, he followed her. He followed her like a, like a rock star taking the stage, like, like a celebrity walking the red carpet, like a, like a professional athlete that women are just clamoring to sleep with. All at once, he followed her, this older, wiser man said, like an ox going to the slaughter. He's like, no, 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 not like an ox to the slaughter, like a, like a celebrity hitting the club, like, like, a, like a rock star taking the stage. And Solomon's like, no, that's not what this is. It's like an ox 
to the slaughter. He's like, whoa, whoa, didn't you hear the soundtrack playing? He's like, yeah, I did. It's another one bites the dust. This is not, this is not what you think. And if you don't get ox to the slaughter, let me try to make it a little clear for you. Like a deer, you're like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierces his liver. Like this is getting graphic. He's basically saying, you're like a deer who's wandering through a meadow, who finds this beautiful place to settle down and nestle in, right? And then as he's kind of laying down, he gets his foot caught in the noose and he realizes, he's like, oh, and he starts yanking his hoof or whatever, and he's trying to get out and he realizes, oh, I'm in trouble. And the more and more he tries to get out, the, the more and more it tightens. And then out of the periphery, the, the, the hunters emerge with their bows and arrows And from a safe distance, they fill this deer full of arrows until he breathes his last breath. And Solomon's like, do you still not see how this is not what you think it is? If not, let me give you a third one. Like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. And the young guy's going, man, you're like my mom up there. You're like my dad. You're like raining on my parade. And Solomon's like, no, you just don't see this for what it really is. You think this is a date? It's a disaster. You think it's a night to remember? This is a nightmare. You're so focused on what you're doing. I'm focused on where you're heading. All you can see is the immediate. I'm seeing the ultimate. You're so focused on the here and now, and I'm focused on tomorrow. Two contrasting perspectives of the same thing. Very different. And then Solomon. And his God-given wisdom, he pulls out of this narrative, he pulls out of this scene, and then he begins to address you. And he begins to address me. And he says this, now then, my sons, listen to me. And he repeats himself for emphasis. He says, pay attention to what I say. In other words, look up here, everybody. Hey, you down there, look up here. I need you to listen. Don't, don't take yourself out of this equation too quickly. Don't be too quick to judge. Don't just look at her and say, oh, what a tramp, and look at him and say, oh, what an idiot. I need you to pay attention. I need you to look up here, and I need you to listen because there is a powerful, powerful lesson in what I'm telling you. Listen to what I say, and then this is what he says. Do not, do not let your heart, and we're gonna come back to this, do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her path. And he's thinking, path? What are you talking about? I'm trying to get in her bed. What are you talking about? He says, many, 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 many are the victims she has brought down. In other words, he's saying, listen, I know, I know that you're thinking, I've never felt this way before, but I'm here to tell you a lot of people have. You're thinking, wow, this is amazing. It's just me and her. That's not what this is. This is a lot of people. I know you think this is special. No, this is common. This is so predictable, it's laughable. This happens all the time. Don't fool yourself into thinking there's just one side to this coin. Don't convince yourself that there's an easy seat here that's just gonna take you wherever you just kind of wanna end. That's not what this is. You are not about to have some kind of special, unique experience. He says, many are the victims. And then he repeats himself for effect and for emphasis. He repeats himself, her slain are a mighty throng. In other words, buddy, you are a part of a group. This is a lot of people. A lot of people have done this. Maybe not with her specifically, but this scenario that you're playing out with a married woman whose husband's gone away, like, come on, this is so commonplace. Solomon wrote this over 3,000 years ago. 
Not a lot has changed, has it? Right? So many of us have been in those moments where we have taken an easy seat believing that somehow it was just going to lead to an easy street and everything in the end was just going to somehow magically work out in the end because I want it to. We've all done that. And here's Solomon in this moment. He's saying, man, listen, this is not what you think it is. And in his God-given wisdom, Solomon would say, I can say with confidence, I can say with confidence before anything even happens that you're like an ox to the slaughter. You're like, you're like a deer that's caught in a snare. You're, you're like, or a noose. You're like a bird caught in a snare. You're like the bingle bug stuffed on somebody's wall. And the kid goes, man, how can you say that? You're being so judgmental. And Solomon would say, I'm not being judgmental. This is just predictable. And if you didn't get it the first couple times, let me say it again. Her house, her house is a highway to the grave. Her house is like a four-lane highway with a carpool lane. Lots of people have gone down this road. You aren't the first. You most certainly won't be the last. A lot of people have been and will go down this road. Don't try to convince yourself that you're about to have some unique, special experience because you're not. Her house is a highway to the grave leading down to the chambers of death. Can it get any more graphic than that, right? Can it get any more graphic than that? Now, listen, when I started reading this story, isn't this true? When I started reading this story, there was something in you that knew where this story was going, didn't you? Even if you've never heard this before, there was something in you that knew where this is going. How is that possible? How is that possible? Because somehow we know this and can see this when it isn't us, can't we? We can so quickly and so easily and so clearly see this in the lives of other people when it's not us. But see, here's the thing. We can't continue to live with this kind of disconnect in our lives. We can't continue to live with this disconnect that our culture oftentimes hands us, this disconnect that says somehow there's an easy seat that leads to an easy street, that there's just one side of the coin, that as long as my intentions are good, as long as my intentions are pure, as long as my intentions are positive, It doesn't matter what I do, and it doesn't matter what I choose. See, we can't live with that disconnect because at the end of the day, bad decisions trump good intentions. Every single time, bad decisions trump good intentions. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't even matter what you know. Bad decisions, your bad decisions, my bad decisions trump good intentions every single time. This young fella, I'm sure he had the best of intentions. It's just one night. It's not a big deal. It's not forever. We're just going to have a good time. Nobody's going to get hurt. It's okay. Everything's just going to work out in the end. And Solomon looks down and he says, this is not what you think it is. And it's not going to end how you want it to. You are not a celebrity walking down a red carpet. You are an ox on your way to the slaughter. You are an ox on your way to the slaughter. So what does it all mean? I'm glad you asked. See, I don't know, I don't know you and I don't know your story, but I'm guessing if we sat down for a few moments and if I were to ask enough questions, my guess is that we get to the point at the end of the story where we get to this place, the same place for every single one of us. The reason that we are so, the reason you are so, the reason I am, the reason we are enamored with the wrong road, her highway, as Solomon put it, the reason we are so enamored with the wrong road is because there is something or someone on that road that has a strong emotional appeal. 
It is emotional. It is not rational. That's what we see in this story Solomon told about this young man. And that's what happened to the bingle bug in Seuss's story, that they somehow believed or pretended or convinced themselves that there was only one side to the coin. And you see that, and really, ultimately, this is all about the issue of the heart. Remember what Solomon said back just a few verses ago? He said, do not let her what? Do not let her take your heart. Do not let her steal your heart. Do not let her get her tentacles into your heart. The reason that we are so enamored with the wrong road is because there's something or there is someone on that road or on that path that has a strong emotional appeal, and they or it blind us to the truth. We can't see or we won't see things as they really are. We get to the place in life where we see what we want to see. We see things how we want to see them. We're so focused on the immediate that we don't see the ultimate. That we get to the place where we're so focused on who and what we want and what we're, what we're doing that we can't see what we're doing, where we're going, or who we're becoming along the way. And we can see this so clearly in the lives of other people when it's not us, but we don't see it or we won't see it in ourselves. All we see is the now. All we see is what we want. All we see is who we want. So as we close today, as we close today, I wonder, just as, just as Dr. Seuss acknowledged that his early readers or the parents reading this book to their kids could kind of see what was going to happen in the story, Fidwick the Big-Hearted Moose, and just like Solomon acknowledged that he could see and predict the future of this young man walking down the street, I wonder, I wonder who in your life can predict your future? Who in your life can predict your future? And if the answer is no one, you're in trouble. And if the answer is someone, who is that person? And will you listen to them? Who can predict your future? If you're anything like me, it was probably only my mother. My mother was wiser than I gave her credit for. She had wisdom. She had perspective and judgment that I didn't have. My mother-in-law has it too. It's annoying. Um, but they both have it. And I should listen to them more than I have. And I should listen to them more than I do. They have judgment. They have time. They have perspective that I don't have. And so does your mama, right? You need to listen to your mama. That if your mama was up and she's looking down the window, down at your life, and what is she saying? She's not going to be up there just kind of looking and watching, is she? She's not going to sit down and start writing a book in the Old Testament. Oh, no. Your mama, if she's anything like mine or my mother-in-law, she's going to open that window and she's going to yell down, baby, no, right? Don't do it. Don't go. Don't say yes. Please say no. That's not just the night. That's not just the deal. That's not just a decision. That's not just a purchase. That's taking you somewhere. Please. I know you can't see it. I couldn't see it when I was you down there then either. But now that I have some time and some experience, now that I have some perspective that I didn't have when I was like you then, I have it now. Please don't make the same mistakes that I did. Please listen to me. Your mother would say that if she's anything like mine. But maybe you're not as fortunate as I am. Maybe you don't have an amazing mom like I do. Maybe, like me, you don't have a father, didn't have a father that could speak those things into your life. Maybe you feel like you're all alone. Maybe you don't know if there's anyone that can see what's really going on in your life. And if that's you, that's why I believe in and I continue to challenge you to choose circles 
Maybe you don't have a safety net. Maybe you don't have a strong family network or a strong you know, relational dynamic in your life that can kind of be that voice. Choose circles because I believe with all of my heart that it's in moments of vulnerability and authenticity. It's time over time that you develop the kind of relationships where you are fully known and fully loved and you'll have a group of people in your life and maybe it's just one or two or three, but you will at least have a couple people in your life who know who you really are. And in those moments of truth in your life, they can come up alongside you and tap you on the shoulder. They can pick up the phone. They can send an email. They can send a text message. They can sit down over coffee and have that awkward conversation and say, Scott, I love you. Scott, I believe in you, but I've been watching you. Every move you make, every breath you take. No, I've been watching you. And, 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 and Scott, I see, I see the behavior in your life. I see the decisions you're making. And I'm just concerned you're heading down a really dangerous road. And I'm here to help you get off that road and to make a different choice, make a different decision. That someone like that in your life who's kind of looking down on your life and they're saying, I, I, think you're, I think you're heading in a dangerous direction. Who in your life can predict your future? For so many of us, this is almost impossible to see in ourselves, and we can't very rarely can we figure it out on our own. So I wonder, I wonder, would you, would you consider choosing circles? You're going to hear us talk about this so, so much, not because we've got nothing else to talk about, because you need it so much. You need the voice of judgment in your life, not to be judgmental, but to provide judgment and perspective so that you can be the person you want to be and get to the places you so desperately want to go. You need the voice of perspective and judgment in your life, and so do I. We need it so badly, or else we're going to end up like this kid in Solomon's story, like an ox to the slaughter, or we're going to end up like the bingle bug in Dr. Seuss's story, stuffed on a wall somewhere. Choose circles. Invite those relationships. Take a step to developing those relationships in your life so the voice of perspective and judgment will be present in your life when you need it most because that's what you need the most. You wish, if you're anything like me, you wish you could go back to when you were 13, 14, 17, 21, 25, 30, 31. I'm skipping some numbers. That's not my math. You get it. You wish you could go back and have then the voice in your life that you needed. But don't live another day of your life, regardless of how old you are, how young you are, without it today. Choose circles. If you leave, when you leave, I should say the auditorium today on your left as you leave, there's a table out there and there's someone from the church who would love to talk to you about how you could take a step towards developing those kind of relationships and having that voice in your life. I hope that you'll do that because if you're anything like I've been over the years, you'll sit and you'll listen to this and you'll nod your head and you'll think about Swiss chalet sauce and you'll walk out the door and you'll do nothing. You'll do nothing. You're going to log off online at home and you're going to be like, oh, that was kind of a cool story and you're going to do nothing. And then someday down the road, you're going to be caught in a noose and you're going to wish, you're going to wish, you're going to wish that you could go back. So don't do that. That's what the simple do. That's what makes someone a fool. And you're smarter than that. You're wiser than that. So choose circles and bring that voice of reason and judgment and perspective into your life today. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for just the opportunity to gather again. As always, it is such a joy having gone through a number of years where that privilege was taken from us 
I'm so thankful to have it back and to be able to sit in a room like this, to have people from their homes join in as well, to be able to open up your word, a story that was written 3,000 years ago, and to see how it directly applies to each of our lives today. That's how awesome you are, and that's how amazing your wisdom is. And I pray for every single person in this room, young and old, I pray for every single person at home today, that God, you would take this wisdom and that they would allow it to do its work in them. So God, that they would be protected in such a way that they could prosper in the ways that they so desperately want to in life. God, I pray that you would give us, God, you'd help us to see trouble coming a long way away, that you give us the wisdom to know what to do and give us the courage and the strength to do it, I pray in Jesus' name. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. If you have any questions, you're looking for ways to take your next step, please visit us on our website, bridgechurches.ca. Much love. God bless.